Thank y'all so much. I appreciate that. Uh, it's good to be here. God threaded that needle pretty good for us. I can tell you right now. Uh, yeah, I, I, I thought I, I, I didn't even change. I just wore it. No, I, we, we got over here and my bride's there uh, with uh, one of our dogs. And I'm, I told her last night as we, we got in, I said, I'm a blessed man. I'm just a blessed man to be able to come to this event with one of my heroes of the faith and a mentor, Dr. Dobson, and share. And I thought, well, Lord, because you've arranged this, then there's obviously something you want me to say to this group. <laughs> and it's give. No, just joking. <laughs> the gathering is for y'all to come here. God has placed you in a position for wisdom and prayer and support of uh, to me, one of the greatest ministries uh, that our nation and world has known. You know, there's very few people that have told the line for so many years, and yet Dr. Dobson has. For context, I actually worked for Doc, gosh, 25 years ago, 20 years ago. Uh, I was an assistant to him. And uh, when, when they didn't make me president, afterwards I quit. <laughs> Uh, no, uh, I actually remember telling Doc in his office, uh, the Lord's calling me to, to, to start a little ministry and try to reach those that few want to. And, uh, and I remember leaving with his blessing and encouragement. And God has done far beyond what I could ever imagine. I mean, far beyond. We started right here in the Springs by reaching kids who were incarcerated. And my first event, I, you know, there was 75 kids that were locked up for crimes, teenagers. And someone said, why don't you go and share your testimony? I said, well, okay. They're probably safer than some churches uh, in the sense of, you know, what's real and horrible out there, not just make believe. So I was a little nervous. So they said, well, do your martial arts thing. Because I, 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 I have a black belt and, uh, and my wife does too. So that's why we don't argue at home. Uh, so I, I remember sharing and uh, it was very interesting to me, the outcome, uh, because I was nervous. I decided to do a little demo. You know what those nunchucks are? Well, I, I, I decided to have a person stand up and put a pencil in his mouth and his hands. Oh yeah. And I was going to twirl him and knock things out of his hand and mouth. Um, and I, it didn't work out like I had expected. Uh, the hand part did, but the mouth, not so much. I missed because of an injury and, uh, and split his chin open. And I'll never forget, I'm like, oh, and he's holding his chin. I'm like, oh, sorry. Uh, and instantly I was upset with God. I was like, you told me to come here and do this. Now I whack a guy right in the chin. He's bleeding. They have to butterfly him. And I just thought, Lord, can I do something easy? And, you know, all I sensed him say was just be faithful because in spite of your mess up, I'll redeem it. 
So I shared. And you know, I think there were, how many kids were there, babe? 75? 75 kids were there. Um, all from this area and other places. And, and when I shared my story of God saving me and, and giving me hope for life, and uh, I, I shared the gospel and 56 of them responded who they wanted to follow the Lord. And I, hey, I thought they misunderstood me. I was like, wait, sit down. This doesn't mean you get out. Do you understand? You know, this is like a real commitment to Jesus Christ. You have to leave your gang. You, you fool. I only know one way to follow the Lord, y'all. It's full throttle. There's, to me, there's no other way. And you, you know, the first book somebody put in my hands is a brand new Christian when I was in the Marines. Can you imagine a Marine getting saved? They put, they put a book called Dietrich Bonhoeffer's book, The Cost of Discipleship. And I read it, big words and all. Uh, and after that, I was ruined. That was, the, that was kind of the bar for me. I thought all Christians lived like that, willing to follow Jesus. You know, the kind that would get out of the boat. Uh, the, you know, and I probably, my wife will attest, you know, I, I align myself more with Peter than anybody else. Uh, as I bring Kit up and a helmet I was wearing 72 hours ago uh, on the front lines in Israel and Gaza because we're helping uh, children that survived the massacre on October 7th, which I can tell you firsthand it's far worse than you can imagine. Multiple communities align right along the border of Gaza. Peace-loving families, they're called kibbutz. And they had only prepared for maybe a few Hamas terrorists sneaking in to try to kill them. So each little community had 10 long rifles with 50 rounds each. That's what they had planned on. And on October 7th at 6.30 in the morning, over 2,000 Hamas terrorists rolled into these villages in a coordinated long-term planning effort with actually a hit list of those in the communities that were most important to capture or kill. The names of the husband, the wife, the children, the ages. Evil's very intentional. And so should we be. The shoes, these boots I wear today, they, because of what I was doing, they walked across the blood of so many children that died. And then they walked over, terrorists, who paid a price. There seems to be this separation in Christianity and we, we focus in on the little things when the reality is, but it boils down to this, men, let's follow the Lord, period. Just follow him. 
Be strong and courageous. Women, let your men be men. Let them out the dang corral. So many of you try to keep them all behavior modified up. Let them run. Let them make no mistakes. Just respect him. And when he fails and falls, tell him you're still proud of him. Tell him you love him for trying. Don't get on him. Don't try to conform him into what you think you need. Let God conform him to be the man that God needs for this day and age now. It's critical. We went there, somebody called us and said, hey, when it clacked off, they said, are you taking a team there? Because we respond to harsh realities in our world and here in the U.S. And I said, well, I haven't got an invitation yet. I need that to know it's God's will. And within 72 hours, we had an invitation for access and placement. And when we went there, it was unbelievable the doors that got open. And just like we've served helping kids and women, uh, because it's kind of biblical, it says help the widows and orphans in their time of distress. That's pretty simple, isn't it? And we should help Christians too. But I'll help anybody, women and children. I'll even help my enemies, women and children. so that God is glorified. And when we got in, you know, some Jewish people can be a little snotty. (laughs) I don't mind saying it. Um, And probably because they live under the tension, right, of uh, threat, of attack. But this time when we were there, they would come up to us, one, it was, it was a ghost town in so many ways, sometimes completely empty. But they would come up to us and go, do you live here? I always said, no. And they go, why are you here? Well, we're here to help y'all. Are you from America? Yes, ma'am. They go, you're coming here when people are leaving. Are you scared? I said, my IQ's not high enough to be scared. Something's broken that department. Uh, And others would call it faith. Because I actually believe if I do what God wants me to do, it's not up to me what happens as a result. Look, my bride over there, who's uh, the most godly person I know, our first pump into Iraq when ISIS attacked, we went there. And she goes, honey, I think I'm supposed to be on the team. And I said, no, you're not, woman. (laughs) I was across the room, don't worry. (laughs) My courage goes up in proportion to the distance I am from her. I get real brave on the phone. I'm like, yeah, let me tell you. But I said, babe, this one's bad. We're going to be in ISIS territory. I don't know what God has planned for us. I've, you know, I got a low drag, fast team. We're doing our own security. We got to get our own weapons. 
I said, you know, we may have to get kids out and women, which is ultimately what we did. And she says this, well, what's the worst that can happen to us? We die? I'm like, yeah, yeah, death. The ISIS is into killing people. And then she said this, well, then don't we win? Man, them words have haunted me. Her faith of saying, okay, well, if God's telling us to go, he'll give us the faith and the coupon of grace to, to live the life. Even if we die, we go to heaven. I don't know why Christians are so afraid of everything. We saw it with the COVID deal, right? I'm like, well, we're all gonna die. Now I got the COVID, don't worry. I remember laying in bed going, oh, this is how people die, right here. <laughs> but people can get consumed with the concern of dying over with the joy and the passion of wanting to live and live for God completely. We, we put in these little safety parameters when actually it's not true. You're not in control, no matter what you do. Look, somebody tried to kill me here in Colorado Springs about a month ago. I was targeted, it was a, a little ambush behind a, a tinted glass and I was checking on the fella and I couldn't see him. He pulled out a gun and shot, shot right through the window. It missed my head by two fingers. And I drew my weapon, put my red dot on his position. I could have easily killed him. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, no. I was like, is, is that go? <laughs> go? I thought I heard go. And it was no. I was like, but he, <laughs> he's a threat. He should be stopped. No. And then he shot at me again. I'm saying, did you change your mind, Lord? Because I, I should stop that manifestation of evil. And the Lord said, no. And I ended up having to run inside a house and there was an elderly couple in there and my wife and I said, call 911. I said, if this dude comes around this corner, I'm gonna kill him now. Cause I'm not gonna let him get in this house and start shooting. And that was one of the toughest things I had done to obey the Lord. Trust me, it's not hard to kill somebody. It's, it's harder not to when you're right to do it. But ultimately God gets the last decision if you listen to him, the prompting. And I, that fella ended up, it was a five and a half hour uh, standoff with police. And he surrendered late in the night, three minutes before SWAT was about to bust in and kill him. And now he's sitting in a jail right here with second degree attempted murder charges against me. You know what I did that night he tried to shoot me? I forgave him. And you know what forgiveness is? It's giving up your right to hurt someone back for hurting you. It doesn't make it separate from justice. I, he's gonna pay a price for what he done and I'm okay with that. 
I'll be a pen pal to him or something. But uh, I told the told the district attorney and all that, the prosecutor, I said, hey, I'm just telling you, don't let him out. If y'all, if y'all bond that guy out, I don't know what he's going to do, and I have to hurt his feelings. I don't want to be put in that position again. But I thought, wow, Lord, that's, that's something else. And I actually, when the police came, I had to carry the, this elderly woman out, out down the street to a waiting ambulance because she couldn't walk. And after that, my wife saw, my wife actually took a picture. <laughs> I was like, can, can I get my cape back? That's it. A praying wife will make a man feel like he can do anything. And I think in some of our lives, God wants to do more than we think we can. So, <laughs> getting ready to go to Israel, knowing it's all hot and things are kicked off. You know what the Lord told me in my heart? He said, I want you to find the highest spot you can and pray for Gaza. I was like, okay. I told my wife. And when we were there, me and one of my buddies, another Marine, we, uh, we went probably someplace we shouldn't have. Uh, we got to uh, a nice building that Probably locks were picked to get to the roof. I don't know. And we're on the roof overlooking Gaza. And we started praying. And my wife, she texts me just before we get up there. She says, hey, when you pray, make sure you lift your hands toward Gaza. I was like, all right, I'm not really a hand lifter, but okay. And, uh. We started praying. There was another fellow on our team actually took a picture. And this is it, if y'all want to put that up there. This is kind of funny, the way God does things if you just trust and obey him regardless. There it is. I told my friend, I said, we look like Batman up there praying. I don't... <laughs> You don't know what prayer is going to do. Within 72 hours, they kicked off the, the offensive into Gaza. Guys that we know, SF units that we went and helped prepare as just a way of ministry. But prayer is the most important thing. And you know why? Because what we're dealing with, everyone, is a battle between good and evil. Can we just remember that? So often... We focus on the person instead of the evil that drives a person. Do you understand? And, and, uh, and I call it the manifestation of evil. When, when people do horrific things, I believe they yield themselves to evil to do stuff that is even beyond their capacity. If we remember, if we remember really what evil is doing, then we can appropriate the white weapons of warfare, which is the word of God, the blood of Christ, right? Is, am, I, am I warm? Uh, the power of our testimony, <laughs> right? Uh, have you ever prayed for someone who, who was demonized? Have you ever had anybody who had a demon run around him or on him? 
Can I just tell you, it will increase your faith. Why are y'all so quiet that I just, it's like I said a cuss word or something. <laughs> hey, I'm talking about, why do you think some people do the craziest things? Demons will affect people's lives. Now, I don't use the term possessed, but I'll use the term demonized and definitely yielded to. And I've seen the power of God in that realm a lot. A lot. I mean, one guy jumped at me. I was starting to pray for him because he was, he was not right. He jumped and Wah! he started charging, screaming, talking in a different voice. And I was like, in the name of Jesus, stop. I, he got slammed right in front of me on the ground. Like somebody grabbed him by the scruff of his neck and went wham. And I was like, that was pretty good. I said, I like this, Lord. This, oh my gosh. He got set free from a demon. Set free. He ended up marrying his girlfriend and, and gave his life to the Lord. Uh, it's, so I, I just think men need a mission. Do you all agree? Men need a mission. <laughs> Men need a moral code. Best place to get that is from the word. That preacher up here before, everything he said. <laughs> Check. Did y'all like Charlie Kirk? Charlie, right? Me and Charlie were on a plane one night flying somewhere. He was speaking at Berkeley and them kids up there get aggravated. And uh, he said, why don't you fly up there? Man? I said, okay, Charlie. And uh, flying back, he said, can I sit next to you? I said, well, it's your plane, Charlie. You can do whatever you want, buddy. <laughs> so he sits down and he goes, would you mentor me? I said, well, what does that mean to you? Because I've mentored people before. And the moment the cow... I told him how to eat the cabbage. They, they didn't want to be mentored anymore. He goes, no, I need somebody like you in my life. I said, well, all right. And then I thought about people who helped me on my path. Again, Dr. Dobson, you know. And I remember when I came to work for him, I, I was thinking, man, Lord, am I this bad of a dad that you got to put me with the source? Because, I mean, can you imagine? My, my wife, we've been on, I, I mean, we've, we still have a house in Iraq. I'll just tell you that much. So if anybody's looking for good real estate, I got some deals over there. Uh, <laughs> but can you imagine the kids we threw? They're not all passive, I can tell you right now. And uh, I remember one time I was so desperate with them little, huh. I, I was watching some late night TV show, a preacher, and uh, he said, we have special anointing oil, and if you use this on your children, like, you know, anoint them with it, their rebellion will lower. I, I ordered like a case. <laughs> I was putting on their pillows. I put Dr. Dobson's book around them. I put it in the washing machine. I did, I'm telling you the truth, I literally, I was like, Lord, this may be stupid, but. 
it didn't work. So, but they kept sending me them letters <laughs> highlighted for money. Please give. I was like, it don't work. A bunch of liars. I mailed it back to them. But I love the time-tested principles that I did learn from Dr. Dobson's words. And we're in a time, a crisis in our nation more than ever. We know that we need men. The younger generation. Can I tell you what's changed? Is they want to be men. I've spoken enough places where I remember one time afterwards, I was talking about snowflakes or something. And a guy called me in the back and he said, everything you just said about the lack of manhood, he goes, that's me. Raised by my mom, didn't have a dad. You know, all these things. He said, help me be a man. I was like, whoa, that I can work with, young man. That's your first step. The courage to say, help me be a man. And you know, the Bible tells us to be strong and courageous. And men want to be strong and courageous. It makes a difference. Um, our time in Israel on this first mission in, there were over 7,000 missiles fired at our locations from Gaza. I'm going to say that again. The time we just spent doing high-risk missions work, visiting with children and women who survived the massacre, finding where they were, bringing lion and lamb toys to them for trauma relief because they hold them and it's soft and they hear the music and lowers anxiety and then we put prayers in there in their language. That's first line defense for helping traumatized kids. And everybody gets it. Everybody gets it. And, uh, and uh, the James Dobson Institute has helped us do this. We're so grateful. But I'm telling you right now, over 7,000 missiles were fired in the different cities and towns we were at. My wife still has the alert on her phone. Because you get an alert, you have 7 to 15 seconds to try to take cover or find a shelter. That night when me and that brother of mine were up on the roof praying, missiles flying over, helicopters going in, drones, which are the scary thing, drones. <laughs> oh yeah, sniper range. Men want to be strong and courageous, which means you have to face risk. I'll tell y'all, it's a great time to be a light. And at a certain point, you got to stop yelling at darkness and just be a light. <laughs> Do you know I've sat across from an ISIS fighter who was captured right as I was, my team were recovering a child during a battle? Because guys are having a fight and then there's us. And that's why we're going back to Israel. Because these special operations teams, if we can get locked on and get the right stuff we need, we'll go in with them to help children. Kids always pay the biggest price for war, acts of terrorism, 
the selfishness of humanity. Kids always pay the biggest price. I met a fellow when we were in a really bad spot. He, he, he is 73 years old, and he was slinging an old Vietnam AR and <laughs> M16 and A1. I was like, hey, fella, sir, are you a little old for this? I'm just trying to poke him. I like to do that. And he goes, young man, I fought in the October War in 1973. Some of you can remember that. I said, what are you doing here? He goes, I'm here to fight. I'm here to go after those evil people that killed these women and children that were beheading them, that were doing the worst atrocities. And he gave us a speech that I wish somebody would have recorded. And as young men gathered around, these are all Israelis, when he was done, and included saying, don't you Americans come here to fight for us. This is our fight. We like your ammo and weapons, but we are gonna fight. And I was like, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Get some, get some. Everybody surrounded started applauding and saluting him. And we were right in the middle of this horrible massacre. Men, is it time? What's it going to take for you to sling arms, spiritually speaking, to care less what anybody thinks and speak the truth and face the manifestation of evil? And have the courage just to say, not here, nope, not going to happen. I'll, I'll close with this as a warning. I got interviewed by a bunch of networks while I was over there, mainly because they were just like, wow, you're crazy. <laughs> I said, crazy with a K. I'll leave you all with this. What I saw and experienced and what we're gonna get refitted with and get geared up and order more lion and lambs to take them over. That evil is coming here. And I'll say this, it's already here. Everybody wonders how Israel got caught off guard so much. One, there was a sophistication of all their cell phones being jammed, and there was long-term planning. But here's the main reason. And I stood there with people who survived and fought Hamas and are fighting right now. They said we underestimated the enemy. Over two million people have come into our country. How many undocumented? How many are nefarious? Trust me, there are cells in our nation of people planning to disrupt and hit communities, and we are not prepared. It's an easy fix, but we have to seal that border right now, and then we have to get rid of the apathy, including in the church.
because there's not a better warrior that I've fought, lived with, uh, than those who learn the word of God and know the moral code and know that they have eternity. And just like I told that ISIS fighter, I said, you know you're not gonna live much longer. He goes, no. I said, what happens to you when you die? He goes, inshallah, whatever God's will is. I said, may I share with you what my hope is? Because I could die in five minutes from here. I mean, it was gunfire on while I'm talking to him. And he says, please. And I shared the gospel with the ISIS fighter. And then I said, can I pray with you? He said, yes. And I, I started praying with him for him to surrender his life to Christ. Right there in the battlefield, inside Mosul, just a few years ago, when ISIS was doing the deal. And right at the end, when I said, in Jesus' name, he stopped. And that evil I spoke about came upon him, and his face contorted. I mean contorted. And as he was sitting there on the ground, he snapped the ties, because his hands were tied behind his back, and he was squatting. Broke the ties off and jumped up. My dog wanted to lunge and bite him on his throat. I kept the dog off. The Iraqi fighters came, pinned him down, tied him up again, and then I watched the evil leave him. And I'm like, do you know what just happened? And he was like embarrassed. I said, what is one thing that you'd want me to tell other young men who are being radicalized? And these are his words from his mouth to my ears, from me to you, don't come to the darkness. Even they know it's darkness. I said, there's no way God brought me here for you not to know that you can be saved. And when you're getting ready to die, which could be five minutes from now, call out to Jesus. A man on the cross did. I won't have time to say the prayer or even baptize him. But if he says, Lord, let me be with you today, he will save him. And uh, they took him away. And I, again, everything I think should end perfectly, God still redeems. And my personal security, who's a Muslim, at least professes that, said, boss, I saw him pray. He said, I was going to pull out my gun and shoot him in the face, but I was waiting because you said the nice things to him. <laughs> I was like, Hassan, thank you for not shooting him in the face while I'm praying for him. That really, it's a quencher. I mean, it. Pfft. I'll get some super apostles who ask me, Victor, all that work you do overseas with Muslims and ISIS children and ISIS and now Israelis, and I'm sure I'm soon because we've been to the Palestinian side, stuff we can't talk about. But I've had these super saints ask me, how many are you preaching the gospel to? How many are converting? I go, well, if I can convert them, they won't stay. I'll tell you that much. And uh, as far as preaching the gospel, I've been reduced to living it. Amen. But you come on over and show me how you do it. God bless you guys.